Are you ready for some scalding hot takes? Talking Vikings with Dane Mizutani and Chase Frederick. This is Inside Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside our good friend Tom Shire. He's, he's filling in again. If you recall, about a week and a half ago, Tom said the Vikings were going to finish 13-4. and no, I'm Definitively. Just kidding. We, we 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 walked through the schedule after the Bears win, and we said like this team should win X amount of games if we're just looking at the schedule. And um, while we account for some slip ups here and there, like the team should be really good down the stretch. But five and one entering the bye, won another game this weekend where like you feel I guess okay about it. Like you don't really know how to feel about this Vikings team, but you know they're five and one definitively. Tom, heading into this bye, like, what what are your biggest takeaways from the, the first six weeks of the season? Because there have been some ups, a lot of downs, but at the end of the day, like, they're they're an effective football team that's that's among the best in the league right now. Yeah, they're a funny team. I mean, I think O'Connell. It seems like he's like a young person who, when he was kind of starting the jobs, was like man, why do the Vikings do the things that they do? Why are they running so much when you have Justin Jefferson? Like, you know, why why haven't they adopted, I guess, the, the modern game? He seems like a guy who has created a marginally better team, and it's made the difference, at least going into the bye week, five and one. Um, but it doesn't feel like a McVay disciple. You know what I mean? I get like his job is not to make this aesthetically pleasing, but it's beyond that. It's that if you just win, and we said this last time, if you just win marginally over and over again, at some point in a relatively weak schedule, you'll drop a game that you shouldn't. So um, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting. I'm sure they'll study stuff during the bye. I'm sure there's guys who are beat up who are playing through things and maybe get a little reprieve here. You also have two pretty winnable games. I, I don't believe in Arizona at all. You should beat the commanders even on the road. So uh, they still have a little bit of like a runway or the end of the runway before they really get into the heart of the schedule. But yeah, so it's not, I want to be clear. It's not just like aesthetically. I, it's It's that it's hard to believe that this team is like truly five and one because they've almost slipped up against a lot of bad teams. For sure. Like you look at their offense and it was something where you're right. Like you thought like McVay disciple, this thing is going to be humming from the jump and it hasn't, it's been clunky. It's been ugly at times. You know, you look at the Vikings, they're in the bottom half of the league in, in yards per game. I think it was like three thirty nine ish. And they're, mm-hmm. I think it was 14th yesterday. So this might've changed with, you know, that debacle that was the money. Oh my God. Game. Yeah. But th- they were ranked 14th at 23.2 points per game. So like it's it's not an offense that that is coming out every week and just dominating teams. And I think week one, we thought like, okay, first half of, of week one against the Green Bay Packers, they came out on fire. Kevin O'Connell's a genius. And really since then, it it I know they're putting up points, but it's really left a lot to be desired. So I think you're right. Like at some point, you can't always just bank on winning on the margins the, the margins are going to get smaller as as the season progresses and and you're going to need to get more effective more efficient in, in every realm i want to ask you though like to this point in the season and, and it's not the halfway point so i won't say like your mid-season mvp but like and it's a little past the quarter pole i guess so we can't say quarter season mvp either but mm-hmm. like through six weeks who do you look at as like this guy is the reason the Vikings are five and one. 
Darisaw. And, I, you know, you could look at the whole O-line. I think the, the weak point is Ingram. And Ingram, like for a guy who they just drafted, um, it steps into a pretty tough spot. I, I think he's been fine given the context of his age and experience. But I would say Darisaw, the fact that, like, he's living up to this building, the fact that someone came out and was like, dude, he's Trent Williams. And you're like, why would you ever say that about someone? <laughs> like, what are you doing? But I think, you know, the fact that he has been really good and Kirk Cousins has said, like, I kind of don't notice him in a good sense. Like, I just kind of take it for granted that he'll take care of his job. But we've seen, we know, like, Cousins can operate if, if he has a bit of a pocket. You know, this offense probably needs a little bit of time obviously for developing routes and whatnot so I think that that's something that Spielman never figured out it was kind of always an Achilles heel and like that actually is shocking to me I know there's talent I know O'Neal's good the fact that Bradbury's been been decent like I just that to me is shocking that's why you know these guys deserve some recognition man and that's why I'm giving it to them the the O-line's been good yeah and and I think if you would have told me six weeks ago that we would be sitting here in the bye weeks talking about how the offensive line collectively and Christian Darisaw specifically are perhaps the biggest reason why this team is having success. I would have thought you were crazy because that was a huge question mark going into this season. The offensive line as a whole, obviously Garrett Bradbury, not replacing him at at center. Like you said, he, he has been good, but I think all of this came down to is Christian Darisaw going to be a good left tackle? If he mm-hmm. was going to be a good left tackle, then this was always going to be a pathway that existed. Like the Vikings offensive line was going to be much improved. I didn't think he could get there. I didn't think he mm-hmm. could get there this quickly, I guess. He, he he looked at times last season like the mauler that you thought he was going to be. But the fact that he's come along so quickly, he's having like viral clips, I think once or twice a week now, where it's just like he is manhandling his guy and either getting out in space and just flattening him or just like standing there like an anchor of, of that offensive line. Has it surprised you how quickly he's come along? Cause it has surprised me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's like a scary proposition having a younger guy like that in that spot, right? It's, it's the blind spot for the quarterback. Um, I understand the hype in camp. We talked about like Cameron dancer. I, I think on the last show and how everyone was pretty hyped on that guy. And then kind of a reality set in and he's kind of had a mixed career. I think, you know, people are so ready for football, you know what I mean? In training camp, mm-hmm. they're also yeah. practicing against their own guys for the most part. I think it's why these guys have embraced like these joint practices or whatever, but I always go, man, like there's just nothing like the stuff we see a, there's just a lot behind the scenes that we don't be it's, it's a little tricky, right? At preseason right. games and camp battles and all this stuff. So kudos to him. Like he's playing big boy football he's playing kind of like a a bit of a veteran and so that's just it's a great pickup in the draft it's good development um that is something that i can't tell if this is just like finally the o-line came together and it would have under the old regime or this is just a matter of better culture better coaching even just like a a inadvertent change of scenery right which is functionally what happens when you have a regime change but Mm -hmm. whatever has happened they've done it well and i think it was just vital because it just does not matter how smart your coach is if the o-line doesn't hold up eventually someone's going to muck up a play that's really well designed absolutely so your mvp darisaw Mine, and, and, you know, I was going to just take the cop out and say Justin Jefferson, he's third in the league with 654 receiving yards this year. Dominant. Um, 
654 receiving yards and completely schemed out of two games, which is impressive. Um, I would argue he should never be schemed out of a game. You should just force feed him the ball, but he was earlier this season and he is still atop the league in, in receiving yards, impactful, you know, week in, week out. I'm not going to say him at the MVP because that's too easy. I'm going to give some love to, to my guy, Kirk Cousins, who I, I hate mm-hmm. on constantly. Um, mm-hmm. He hasn't been great. I'm not saying he's the MVP because his stats are gaudy because you look at a lot of the stats, both, both basic and analytic. He hasn't been good. He, you've you could argue he's been as bad as he's been in a Vikings uniform with the stats. However, three comeback drives. I understand that the Vikings were in that position at times because of how Kirk cousins was playing and how ineffective he looked, but against the Detroit lions game winning touchdown drive when it really mattered most against the New Orleans Saints in London. You know, we talked a lot about their circadian rhythms, the travel, how tough that was. Kirk Cousins leads them back into the game late, kicks a field goal to win the game, Greg Joseph. And then, you know, you look at just some of the other things he's done, the Chicago Bears game, you know, a 17-play drive right down the field when they needed it most. Kirk Cousins has not been spectacular. He's actually been underwhelming at times, but I think he is your MVP of the first – six weeks of the season because without him, I don't know if they win those games. He's literally turned losses into wins, even though at times he has turned wins into maybe losses with his ineffectiveness throughout a game. Yeah. And I don't know, again, I don't know if that's the quieted mind, right? O'Connell says he kind of talks him through things, you know, over the, the calm or whatever. And just like, there's just not this pressure of like Zimmer seemed to have a mixed message for him. It was a, it was the clearest message was, I don't want to have you here because you're taking up cap space for my defense. But beyond that, it was like, Hey, I want to see him take more risks. And he knew like, as soon as cousins took to a risk and put the defense in a tough spot, it would have been, you know, Kirk's killing us here with, with, you know, thrown into tight windows or whatever. So, you know, it was a tough position for him to come in I think he was actually pretty honest in that like it seemed like the whole operation you know started before he got there and he was this right he was accused of like a mercenary or whatever and and like this this is a little different it's a guy he's worked with before who's embraced mm-hmm. him again we'll have to see long term what the plan is but you know I think of like Chicago's a bad team but he was calling his own plays like that was the most unique thing I've seen we've seen O'Connell's creativity actually in those opening drives when there's been a script and near the red zone and and Cousins has done his part in those spots where it's it was this hurry up against Chicago but because the the clock wasn't a factor because it was the beginning of the game. He was just like calling his own place, trapping the defense in mm-hmm. a spot they didn't want to be in. And there's some brilliance to what he's doing there. We know he's physically capable. He's actually kind of the quarterback. I feel like everyone wanted when there was a bad quarterback in Minnesota it was like, just give me an above average guy. I I, I don't need Allen Mahomes, Herbert, whatever, whoever it was. Right. It's just give me an above average guy. And that's kind of what he's been. He's accurate. He has arm strength. Uh, you know, he he certainly knows how to run at least certain aspects of the offense. Maybe in an honest moment, both guys, Quasi and O'Connell would go like, look, I kind of would want someone a little better who can kind of scamper around and make plays with his feet or whatever. But we saw during like on third and five or whatever, him go and get the first down or whatever. We've seen him like play into the illusion of complexity. Like he certainly knows I know this is like a bare minimum, but like he knows like when to move the guys or whatever, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And there are guys who would not figure that out, you know? So he's kind of been this veteran. Also, it seems like he's kind of comfortable. He's always been like this goober and kind of embraced it, but he really is like comfortable in his own skin, making fun of himself for wearing like Cole's stuff. He's this multimillionaire who looks like he, he bought Cole's clothing and wore it in public mm-hmm. you know, or whatever. And like, he's, 
he's embraced kind of being this goober, right? And I think Kirk's done what you can ask of him. It's been enough. And honestly, to me, that isn't the problem yet. I think it's more related to play calling and just how they're maximizing the talent on offense. Yeah, that's the one thing I want to touch on before we break is like the comfortable, like he looks comfortable. He looks comfortable in his own skin. And I think that's something that, has allowed him to play with that quiet in mind you've talked about. But yeah, you see him wearing the chains on, on charters after the game, just the biggest work, but like leaning into it now. And, and that's all I've asked for of Kirk in the past is like, stop trying to be this guy that you're not like, just lean into the fact that you're a dork. It's how I feel about Carl Anthony towns with on Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. Too. Like just be yourself because guys like that more than you trying to put on some face, this rah, rah leader. Kirk's not that he is a dork who is a pretty good football player, an above-average quarterback, could be a good quarterback at, at certain times throughout a season. He's leaning into that now, and I think he's done. He's doing that because Kevin O'Connell believes in him, trusts him, wants him, and, and it's it's all working. So I, I, I think there is a melding of minds right now. It, it has been kind of a perfect storm to this point, five wins and six tries if they don't improve out of this buy, they're, they're going to lose some of these games, but right now it's working. And, and I think that's the, the biggest takeaway you can, you can walk away with from, from these six weeks is pretty much everything Kevin O'Connell was brought in to do is working. It's going swimmingly. And, and I think Vikings fans can feel good about that while also wanting more from this team, you know, for the final 10 weeks of the regular season. So yeah, there was like kind of a winning. I mean, we know the obvious winning model, right? It's just have a really good quarterback. And and typically, as long as everyone kind of does their job around them, you can produce a winner that way, right? The more curious thing, especially as quarterbacks become more expensive and and like just it's just very rare that you have one that's mm-hmm. a transcendent player is like, how good can you be when every other component works, right? When, again, there's some questions about O'Connell as a rookie coach, but like if O'Connell does his job and the defense and Donatello on his side does their job, certainly we know that Justin Jefferson does his. I think a curiosity for me coming out of the break is what happens? There's no team on earth that is like, you know what? The best strategy is the one where the teams just let Justin Jefferson beat them and took everything else away. What they're going to do is try to take Justin Jefferson away and be like, how good is Thielen right now? How good is KJ? How good is Irv? How much can you get done in the modern NFL with a Dalvin Cook, right? So um, there's question marks there, but if they help, you know, hold up their end of the bargain, what happens if you have an above average quarterback and greatness around him? Right. And so I think the Vikings still need to prove greatness, but to be fair, teams are going to have to win with this model because just so few are going to have Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, you know, Burrow, whatever you go down the list. Most teams have an above average quarterback yep. if they're lucky. Right. So, um, so I just, I think my curiosity here is like, I think they're close to having that, right? The second model. Can they perfect that? Because there's a curiosity of mine of like, how far can you actually go with that model? No, that, that's a good point. And, and I think that it's a good tease to the segment too. Um, you, you talked about Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, Irv Smith. Please like, subscribe, download this podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, I think our, our great producer, Spencer, said we're finally on Google Podcasts now. So you get on Google Podcasts, Bring us up. Apple, we're on there. Spotify, we're on there. Wherever you get your podcasts, we'll be there. You, you follow us, and and we'll be along for this roller coaster ride that, that, that's that been a lot more highs than lows so far. But, Tom, we were super optimistic in, in, in the first segment, 
So let's be a little pessimistic. Let's lean into the Minnesota sports a little bit here. It, it, it has been effective, but it has been ugly at times. And I think Mm -hmm. you made the point. If you continue to win on the margins, you're going to lose eventually. Um, Heading into like the next, I don't think it's the stretch run yet because Mm -hmm. you know, that's probably the final month of the season, but this large middle chunk of the season, what is your biggest concern about this team? Cause I have one, um, but I'm curious what, what, what your biggest concern is right now, looking at the team as it's currently constructed to be a, a little focused here. The, I want to see the Cardinals push them. I, that Cardinals game last year just sticks out in my mind so much. I went out there, um, watched it. It was like, it was basically like a home game. I heard the Miami one was kind of like this too, where there's so many like snowbirds and whatever people would just right. go out there. Cause it's right. good weather. Right. Um, and, uh, but I was like, it was so fun because you kind of had half and half. Cardinals did something, you hear a roar of the crowd. Vikings do something, you hear the roar of the crowd. And obviously, Joseph missed that kick. And I always kind of thought back and I was like, man, I, Zimmer probably always would revert to going back to this weird old school offense. But like, if they win that game, are they less inclined to do that? Because it's not O'Connell, but like Clint Kubiak actually showed signs of like what O'Connell's doing, moving guys around to create holes for Dalvin Cook, like getting guys open by manipulating the defense. Uh, Cousins was great in that game. Like he was down the stretch and that gets forgotten because they lost. Um, and we haven't seen the offense push past 30 here. I want to see what happens both from an offense and defensive standpoint. Does I think the Ed Donatel thing is actually doing what it's supposed to, where it's like, it's supposed to like bend and not break. Mm-hmm. Now, who knows? Maybe that'll get tested by a really good team here in the next couple of weeks. And we'll go, oh, you can't give up that much yardage and not give up that many points. Um, but like, it hasn't happened yet. And it feels like the O'Connell offense should be more productive. And I just, I think when you're playing a bad Saints team and they don't punish you for your mistakes, you can go, you can kind of almost play conservatively because you're like, well, we're allowed multiple chances. We just can't screw up a lot of them. Right. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. And I think like, um, I just, I, I don't, like, as I said, I don't really believe in Cliff Kingsbury, the Cardinals, whatever, but like they're capable of scoring. I actually want to see the same game again and see what this team does, because that's my curiosity. What happens when they play a team that really pushes them and makes them play out of their comfort zone? Do, do they look suddenly like the Zimmer team again, or is this where they break through and look more like the McVeigh model? Yeah, and I think more more along that point is like, even if you do get past the Arizona Cardinals, and and look, the Cardinals are a disaster. I don't believe in Cliff Kingsbury, but like you said, like they have Kyler Murray. He's he's someone who is going to be so unorthodox in the way he plays the position that it's going to push the Vikings in a way I think they haven't been pushed really since since week two against Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, and we all saw how that went. That's not a walkover victory over, over the Arizona Cardinals, but coming out of your bye, I think you should win that game. And then you should beat the Washington Commanders on the road. They suck. <laughs> what, what I'm really looking forward to is seeing the Buffalo Bills game. Because I think, to your point about the Cardinals, and you want to see the Cardinals push them, that is, I think, the first time on the schedule, if things go according to plan. Look, if the Vikings keep playing the way they had through six weeks, they could lose to the Cardinals. They could even lose to Washington. But if they take care of business and they're 7-1 and one going into Buffalo, I'm curious to see how this team competes against a top tier, perhaps Super Bowl, like the Super Bowl contender in the league. No doubt one of the best teams in the league in Buffalo, what many consider to be the Super Bowl favorite. I'm curious to see how the Vikings respond to that type of challenge because 
like you said, and my concern with this team heading in the rest of the way is the defense. I, 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 I don't, blame Ed Donatel here because I think you go on Vikings Twitter during any sort of Sunday game, Monday game, Thursday game, whatever it will be for the rest of the season. The, the coaches on the couch are going to say, what is Ed Donatel doing? Like, are you, why are you just letting them, the opposing team get chunk yards over the middle or chunk yards down the sideline? That is like you said, Tom, the, the design of this defense, it's the personnel. It's like, we don't have the corners to go press man or we don't have the personnel to get, you know, a dominant pass rush unless we're playing a porous offensive line like like the Miami Dolphins. This is who the Vikings have on defense, and this is the way they're going to have to win. They're going to have to win by giving up a lot of yards, hoping that they don't give up a lot of points because either they're opportunistic with their turnovers or the other team's quarterback gets impatient and, and makes a mistake. That is the, the name of the game with, with this shell coverage defense. It's bend, don't break. However, inherently, when things bend, eventually they break. <laughs> so that is my biggest concern here heading into to the second half. And, and I, I think we'll see some of that maybe come to light against a quarterback with the dynamic abilities of, of Kyler Murray. I don't know if he's actually a good quarterback, but I know mm-hmm. he's a dynamic one. Um, and I think it'll definitely come to light in that two game swing with, with Buffalo on the road and then Dallas back at home with with, with a healthy Dak Prescott. Uh, I'm just curious to see th- how the defense responds in these big matchups. There's not a lot of big matchups on the schedule. As we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Tom, like the schedule is pretty easy. The Vikings should be a playoff team running away, but I, I am curious to see how the defense holds up against a good one. And I guess the other curiosity I have is everyone said like the Patriots would just use the first four games as their preseason, the actual football games that count. Right. And like, we know, and I advocated for this, like the Vikings did not risk a lot in the preseason. I think it was more, how do we trend down the roster? Is there any kind of like hidden gem here, you know, Mm -hmm. developmental stuff. And, um, I mean, six games is a lot of, a lot of time here, but like just watching the NFL, like, Every Thursday game, it's been pretty terrible outside of the first one. I thought uh, Buffalo, Kansas City would be better. And watching that first half, I was like, I think I'm just wasting my time. Like, what am I doing? Uh, and I think, I mean, the, I mean, the the Broncos are just like some other kind of dysfunction. But even that, like, you would be like, man, isn't like this this Herbert team that has this young coach? Aren't they supposed to be like more fun, like more exciting football? Yeah. So it's not. And I know the Vikings keep beating that drum of like every game comes out of possession. We practice situational stuff. You do have to do that. I don't know because they haven't really played good teams outside. Obviously, Philadelphia beat them up and, and the Packers look like a mess like we don't know if that like applies in a Buffalo game in Buffalo in November. Right. We, right. we just don't yet. And I, I think that's the other thing is like, does, can they do situational when it's Buffalo Dallas, even like a well-coached Belichick team or whatever kind of coming up here. So like um, that's a, that's a curiosity. Also, like, are we just going to see an explosion across the NFL at some point? Like, is this just the reality we're in like that, that football in the beginning of the year is going to look terrible. And it's not just scoring. Cause like that Seattle Detroit game, no one looks back and was like, man, I'm bummed. I missed that one. You know, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Like, right. like it's just, there hasn't been a lot of good football yet. So the Vikings maybe have an advantage that the bias now, not just for like rest and recovery, but also for like, they have a couple weeks here, go back to the drawing board, kind of figure out what's going on. Um, I, I hope just for like the sake of the league, that's the case. The scariest thing is if that's the case, like 
Arizona could benefit from that too. You right. know what I mean? In that game and certainly Dallasville and Buffalo or whatever, but that Buffalo team that played right after the Vikings game, I was like, that team doesn't look that good. You know what I mean? Like the Vikings should be able to contain that team. So I think that, you know, obviously we're going into some unknowns here, but to their credit, as much as we keep harping on, like you can't keep winning by these margins or whatever, this is kind of what football is right now. And they are winning. It's more like, is there another gear? Is just this what the Vikings are? If this just is what the Vikings are, probably not going to be that exciting of a team. For sure. One quick one. And then, and then we'll uh, kind of talk big picture here. Adam Thielen is another person that concerns me. Um, mm-hmm. he, guys just get old sometimes. Mm-hmm. And he's 32. He's going to be 33 next year. Um, he's not bad, but he's not getting the separation that, that we've seen him get in the past. Um, he's been schemed open at times, and that's a credit to Kevin O'Connell. He, he I still do believe Adam Thielen can be a good complimentary football player in this offense to kind of find the open zones when, when teams are doubling, sometimes tripling Justin Jefferson. I think Kevin O'Connell is smart enough to develop schematic route combinations to get Adam Thielen open. But, and this is anecdotal. I, I know like if I look at every route Adam Thielen's run this year, he he's won at times, but when you're one-on-one most of the time, like Adam Thielen of old wins consistently you can't single him up because he dominates with his route running his quickness um you know in, in short spaces that's not the case this year he's 29 catches 284 yards two touchdowns and it's just like he's just fine right now and i, and I don't know if you, that's going to be good enough right it, like moving forward when teams say we're not letting justin jefferson beat us and and that's a, that's a tough ask like you could say that and justin jefferson could still go out and put 100 on your head but like when teams scheme Justin Jefferson out of the game or do everything in their power to, to scheme Justin Jefferson out of the game. I don't know if Adam Thielen is someone that is going to take advantage of that one-on-one matchup in the, in the way he has in the past. Um, I don't know that he won't, like you said, maybe this is just a ramp up period for the entire NFL, including players individually, but there have been things throughout the first six weeks that have concerned me about Adam Thielen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, He's so hard to predict because, like, there's nothing like him, right? I mean, he's like a guy from Detroit Lakes who played D2 ball and obviously walked on the team. Everyone knows the story. But, like, just like what he did against Carolina as as a special teams player or whatever, mm-hmm. you would have been like, we would have looked back and been like, that was crazy that guy did that, right? And the fact that he reached the heights that he did kind of around that miracle team, right, kind of the peak Vikings under Zimmer, yeah. you were like, well, we don't know what his ceiling is because, like, what's the comp for Adam Thielen? So, uh I think I guess I there was some certainty with me that he would be this good route runner, that he'd be a red zone threat late in his career, that he could kind of string out, I guess, like a longer career than maybe we'd expect just because like he is a technically good route runner and he's like, you know, clearly like athletic enough to have the the peak that he had. And, you know, teams are probably going to give him the benefit of the doubt, not just obviously the Minnesota connection, which matters, but like he is a leader like he he's not going to become a locker room problem and that's not something you can say about a lot of receivers a lot of teams probably don't want an old receiver on their on their team complaining about touches when they're not the number one guy anymore the problem is he may be ascending or descending to like a a three like a serviceable serviceable player but he still has a couple cap hits left um you know or at least he has like kind of a unique contract here and uh 
And it's like KJ Osborne isn't ready to step in to be the two. You know, we just haven't seen that yet. And I actually thought Osborne was kind of progressing this last game. If I remember right, Cousins looked to him in some critical spots and he yeah. messed up. So did Justin Jefferson. So, you know, whatever. He wasn't the only guy, but um, they need like a true number two. And I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on Thielen because these teams aren't good enough. Arizona might be certainly like you look at New England and Dallas and and the Bills. Like they're good enough to take out Justin Jefferson. That is like Belichick in a nutshell, right? Makes you play left-handed. And so, yeah, there's just a lot of pressure on guys. We didn't. I don't know if we expected a ton of pressure on Irv. There will be on on you know KJ Osborne. We didn't. And and Thielen almost we took for granted that he was like almost a number one that just was passed by a transcendent talent. Now it looks like. Is he a number two? It's a very different question. For sure. All right, we'll go to break there. And then when we come back, we're going to talk just kind of big picture expectations. The Vikings are 5-1 and one, entering their bye week. They're actually in the midst of their bye week right now. They won't play on Sunday. Um, when we come back, we'll talk about you know what to expect throughout the rest of the season. If you like what we're saying, please like, subscribe, download the podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify. We are on Google Podcasts now. Wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. Come join us for this ride. Tom, I think we've said it enough at this point, but the Vikings are five and one. We are as much as we want to nitpick week to week. And as much as they deserve to be nitpicked week to week, they're five and one. The, the schedule is favorable. What are realistic expectations for this team right now? Because I look at the rest of the NFC and I see one good team, one team that is a class above the rest. It's the Philadelphia mm-hmm. Eagles. I would maybe put Dallas into that conversation when Dak comes back, but I'm not a huge Dak Prescott guy. Yeah, I would maybe put Tom Brady and, and the the Tampa Bay Bucks into that if they figure it out. But Tom Brady yeah. might have just gotten old. Like yeah. San Francisco, I don't know how to feel. Like the Vikings are in that tier as far as I'm concerned. I think the Eagles are a class above the rest. I think the Vikings kind of fall into that second tier of like, are these teams good? I don't know. <laughs> what are realistic expectations of this team? Like, is it just playoffs? Is it a playoff run? Is yeah. it like things click and, and they get to the NFC championship game and they lose to Philadelphia again before the Super Bowl? Like what is, what are, what are realistic expectations for this five and one football team? I don't know how this didn't dawn on me during Monday night football, but I was like, I didn't even think of that scenario where it's like Vikings go 13 and four. <laughs> Win the first playoff game, like you know, they, this this is you know, Connell's on the cusp of doing something no other coach in NFL or in Vikings history has done. Um, Thielen figures it out. Justin Jefferson gets two thousand yards. Kirk Cousins looks like you know whatever. Uh, Matthew Stafford from the Super Bowl Rams, and like it all, and you lose to Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> there's some there's some actually like that is probably what happens because it's like i kind of think like what's the worst scenario right because like bad is almost kind of once you know you have a bad team you can kind of check out right you're not emotionally invested uh i mean obviously like a bummer first round loss would, would be in that category but actually the worst thing is like this this built up hype and they come out a different team out of the buy and all this stuff and you go man he out coached belichick and he you know they hung with josh allen or whatever and then you're like Oh, they lost to the Eagles. They also <laughs> lost to earlier in the year. Looked like the same game again. Whatever. That that is probably the worst case scenario. I do. I think the expectation is win a playoff game, right? Win yep. enough games to get a favorable game. I think it also would be unique if it's here, right? I mean, just like part of year one, and it is weird because this is a very weird year one setting. I don't think we notice coaching flaws as much, like with 
bad teams, right? Because you're like, well, is it the coach or is it the guys he's coaching? You know, like we notice and highlight O'Connell's flaws because you're like, these guys are like good enough, right? We know their flaws. We know the 500 record the last two years, but he has proven very expensive players on the roster. Um, I think given what they, their approach here, that they decided to keep the team together, that they extended some guys, um, how much they're spending, especially on the offensive side and what they've done uh, going into the bye week win your first playoff game. And really they should press to make it in Minnesota. I think even if, they end up with a bad slash devastating result somewhere further down the line in the playoffs. They set a great baseline, right? For this O'Connell regime. We're a playoff team. We don't just sneak in. We can win in the playoffs. And I think if that's, that should be the expectation. That's the baseline they should set. Um, Even if they're kind of setting people up for devastation, that may be something that takes years to to change. (laughs) Sure. No, I think that that's a good one because like you said, they're five and one. The NFC as a whole is down. The NFC North as a whole is pretty bad. I think you can get like, they have three wins banked right now. Wins over the Packers in week one, the Lions in week three, the Bears in week five. You should be able to bank a win in Detroit at this point. The the Dan Campbell experiment, the hard knocks, them being really likable. I fell for it. Turns out that the Detroit Lions are still the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell just might not be the answer there. Um, You should bank a win in in Detroit on the road and you should bank a win in Chicago in the final week of the regular season. As bad as Green Bay looks, I think that's still probably a toss-up at Lambeau in week 16. What I'm getting at is your expectation as a Vikings franchise right now as a 5-1 and team heading into your bye coming out of it next week, win the North. Because there's no excuse at this point. To me, it's it's like th- three weeks ago, the, the Minnesota Golden Gophers were like, hands down, they should win the West. The West yeah. stinks. And three weeks later, they're four and two. You're like, man, this team's not very good. The Vikings cannot go down that road. Because right now, they're five and one. They're two games up, effectively three because of the tiebreaker on Green Bay. And you're like, they should win the North they cannot go down a road in a month from now where it's like, wow, this team is not very good. Your expectation should be to win the NFC North. And then, like you said, I think if they are winning the North, they they are at some point going to be hosting a home playoff game. Win that, see where you go from there. Um, I don't think this team is a Super Bowl contender, but I've said this in the past. I did not think the Cincinnati Bengals were anywhere remotely close to, to capable of getting to the Super Bowl last year. I didn't feel that in week one when they beat the Vikings, thanks to a bunch of false start penalties and, and a Dalvin Cook fumble at midfield. I didn't feel that when can't when the Cincinnati Bengals were playing the Oakland or the Las Vegas Raiders now in the first round of the AFC playoff. So I don't know. Are the Vikings Super Bowl contenders? No, I don't think so. Could they get to the Super Bowl? Stranger things have happened. So I think if you win the North, you host a home playoff game in, in, in the first round of the playoffs. You win that. Like you said, that's that should be the expectation from your perspective. And then you just see where it goes. I really, I don't know. I think your point earlier in the podcast about maybe this is just the NFL. Maybe this is a ramp-up period. Maybe it's always going to be like this for the first two months of the season. If this is the Vikings ramp-up period and, and they're 5-1, and one, then they should feel like they can get to another level uh, because they are, at, at this point, among the best teams in, in the conference. And and I don't know if there's any other teams besides the Eagles that really, really scares me. Yeah, I think the lesson from the Bengals is 
they don't have a Burrow. So like that True. team, I think won because of Burrow, and they just were so bad for so long. They had all this talent around them. I think Zach Taylor creates a really good culture. He's probably a really likable person. Um, I don't think he's a very good coach and probably didn't have enough experience coming in. This is, you know, Kingsbury, like there's a difference between the guys who are just like so far ahead of like their age, I guess, in terms of coaching that they like, like obviously the big face right of the world, like they deserve the spot. They showed up, they acted like they belonged there. Right. I think the thing with O'Connell, and again, we talk about him not calling plays previous stop and how young he is and stuff. I think he genuinely sets a good culture. I think he's actually a genuine person. Like, I think he is just this kind of California cool guy who like yeah, probably really just loves football. Right. Um, but I think he, uh, he has to learn how to coach. Like not, this isn't like a devastating thing. This isn't like an over being overly critical, but it's like, you know, Belichick's like the, obviously the gold standard, but it's like, progress towards that like i'm talking the little minutiae things it's it's time management it's like it's you're in miami it's 120 on your bench or whatever they threw you off your script right away what's the play do you you go to and yeah. get to that play as soon as possible right and like you know it's it's it, they got avoid and i know they keep saying it's like they're they're different games or whatever but like new orleans and like they, they had one other game where they just like they were humming for like a quarter and a half and then it just stalled out like in the middle of the game and yeah. you're like how does this offense that looked that good i know they're off script i know they're adjusting to them or whatever you gotta adjust back quicker than that you can have one drive where you go three now you can't compound them right um philadelphia same thing you're on the road the defense holds them scoreless in the second half like it could be as simple as Perk, throw to your hot route. Like I know you're trying to force the ball to Justin Jefferson. You're throwing off your back foot with two guys in your face. Like just mm -hmm. dump it off to Irv Smith. You know, it's 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 the minutiae, and that's what he has to learn. And I think O'Connell gets that, but that's what we're gonna learn about him. Is he coming in going, I know everything, I'm a McVay guy, I know the illusion and complexity works, uh, you know, whatever. Um, it's just about culture and making these guys feel better about themselves and bring out their talent and winning, you know, having game winning drives when it matters most, or is he going to be the guy who like digs in? Right. And I got time management down. I got these little things down. I'm finding these little edges. Cause that's really what separates these guys. And that's something that he can show immediately. He has to show immediately. It's a, win, it's a win now team. So that's how you're going to pull off upsets against a Buffalo, against a Dallas. That's how you coach against Belichick. And that's how you're going to win late in the year when it's the Packers needed. They've had a terrible year and just want a feel good game at the end, or they're trying to win to buoy themselves to get in the playoffs. Right. So, um, that's what's going to separate him. We know he knows the culture. We know he's a smart football guy. Is he going to get the small details down? You're, you're right. That, that's a great point because you look at Kevin O'Connell in a vacuum. And I think this past Sunday is a good example. He, he was scheming up this specific play all game. And he finally got the look. And the Vikings completed that wheel route to Justin Jefferson for 47 yards. And after the game, Kevin O'Connell said we were working for that look all game. And we finally got it. Kevin O'Connell, to your point, Tom, is a, he's an offensive guy who is smart. He understands scheme. But there have been times throughout the first six weeks of the season where I think he has kind of had his head in the clouds. That might be a little bit harsh, but like you look at certain things, certain decisions he's made. I look at the, the timeout and in this first at the end of the first half against the Philadelphia Eagles, when he was trying to get points and he ended up just giving Philadelphia, you know, free points. Um, those little things that like, I don't necessarily think it's 
an indictment of Kevin O'Connell. I think it's that is the learning curve of a first year head coach. And I think we are seeing that through six weeks. The thing I feel good about Kevin O'Connell moving forward is that he is not a guy that comes out and, and says, I know everything like, and maybe that's his personality. Like you said, the California cool, like feels like, you know, Hey, you know, you're, you're my friend. You're not, we don't, we're not a reporter head coach relationship. We're just, we're just buddies talking. Like he has that aura about him or he tries to exude that aura, but he does seem self-aware accountable. And I think you need to be that you can't be this rigid. I know everything coach because one, they don't coaches don't know everything. And two, like that just doesn't fly anymore. And in, in the modern day NFL with like, would I want would I rather be coached by Mike Zimmer or would I rather be coached by Kevin O'Connell? I'd rather be coached by Kevin O'Connell. So I think Kevin O'Connell has that going for him. The fact that he knows he doesn't know everything, but he's learning. And, and, and he said it, Kirk cousins has said it. Harrison Smith has said it. Uh, all the veterans on the team have said it. It's, it's a lot easier to learn when you're winning Right now they're winning, they're learning while doing it. But yes, Kevin O'Connell has to get to another level. It's something he even acknowledged uh, yesterday in, in his media access before, you know, everyone disperses and goes their, their separate ways for, for this bye week. He hasn't been perfect. He's been far from it through six weeks. Um, but he kept leaning on the fact that we're five and one. And he said he'll be better and the team as a whole will be better. I, I'm inclined to believe him at this point, but you're right. Like, he needs to take the next step if the Vikings also want to take the next step. Yeah. And he has plenty of time to do it. I, again, like it's ridiculous that they played a football game after that London one, but it's looking like the right call, right? They got lucky with the opponent, obviously after yep. that game, I think it would have been too early in the season. I actually like that. They have six games to look back on here. And honestly, if I'm him, obviously you're, you're thinking forward a little bit, but I think it's fair to look back and go even sit down with someone and, and go, yeah, I would have called a timeout here. I, I shouldn't have done this here. I don't know what we were doing here. You know, like this is what we tried against new Orleans and we didn't get it going or whatever. And so I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, we're going to learn how self-critical he actually is. Right. Because we will see change. He's not going to get everything right, but we will see change in these games that are getting increasingly more difficult out of the buy. If he's self-critical and learns the right lessons. And I think we can actually learn a lot. I think there's a lot we don't know about this team yet. We'll learn a lot even against Arizona and certainly as you get into the thick of the schedule after Washington. For sure. All right. I think we'll call it there. Tom, thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, the Vikings are five and one. This is their bye week. We'll be back on Thursday to talk about something. Who knows? I don't know. We can't really, can't really preview a football game on Sunday, but there's always something to talk about in the NFL season. Luckily for us, the Vikings always give us some fodder as well. Tom, thanks again for stopping by for Dane Mizutani, Tom Schreier. We are out. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.